GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. What do you do if you suffer from one of these illnesses you can't actually see? They tend to be chronic, you're in pain all the time, you have terrible lows, and still you can't see anything wrong. There's a lot of illnesses out there like that, and we do have the tendency as humans to judge by what we see and what we hear. Today, the life story actually covers someone who's going through just that. And it's a stark reminder of that age-old lesson. Never judge a book by its cover. Let's meet Pia. Pia, we met the other day. It's great getting to know you and getting to know your story. I know that you're from Denmark. We talked a lot about Denmark because I love the idea myself. And uh, you came to Gibraltar and you married a local man in the army and you've been here ever since. You've got a boy and a girl. That's correct. You've also got something else, which is multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Now, looking back, let's, let's turn the clock back a little bit to when your gut instinct started to tell you that something wasn't quite right. Oh, that's back. 2009, um, that's when I got diagnosed, but going back, I think I had it longer before I got diagnosed uh, because I had some really bad colds back then that didn't cure that fast and heal up. I had headaches. I suffered a lot from pins and needles, not just normal pins and needles, but pins and needles, stiff neck, back pain, things that now tie up and like, yes, that was multiple sclerosis. But back then it was just like, yeah, exhausted, overworked, cold, and it got kind of swept under the carpet. Yeah. I went to the doctor, they said, no, no, you have a, a sore arm, a tennis elbow, uh, loads of things there's like no there's nothing and I remember once I went to the doctor and I constantly had the pins and needles in my hands and they said no it's a strap nerve in my neck yeah um that was continued for about a couple of months and then just stopped right uh then after a a heavy night out it was a, an army do and it was I thought it was a normal Hangover, hangover. <laughs> but it wasn't because after I think four days it just didn't cure up and I had to go to the doctor I said this is not a normal hangover and I had the pins and needle came back both my hands and my neck and my feet and he said to me well maybe did you fall during this do I said no no there's something else my head was spinning and he was very very 
difficult for me to explain to the doctor because he was kind of very dismissive. He says, yeah. And I was trying to tell him that I knew what I had because I just point out my brother had already been diagnosed the year before. Okay. And my father uh, about 10 years earlier. But when my brother got diagnosed, I kind of started looking into what is multiple sclerosis. Yeah. So deep inside, I already knew what it was. But try and explain that to a doctor. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so how do we... That's, that's the hard thing, isn't it? Because it's, it's, there's a lot of information out there. You know what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, you can't see it. But you've got to go with your gut. And yeah. the more you educate yourself, it's almost like you turn up at the doctor's clinic and they're saying, well, hold on a minute. It's not you who should be telling me. I should be telling you. It's, it, and it's, it's very difficult it's to communicate. very delicate because yeah. you don't want to step on anyone's toes. Yeah. And some health professionals get quite angry if you try and do their job for them. That's right. And this was, this was in Gibraltar. This was happening here. Here, yes. I mean, I was under the MOD's care back then because my husband was still in the army. And I mean, they, they were lovely people, but some of them were not as helpful as they should have been. So the first doctor was not hearing anything. He was like, there's nothing wrong. You have a trap nerve like I had six months earlier, pins and needles. It is what it is. And I was just adamant. I knew. And then there was another doctor uh, who now today worked for the local health service. And he said, I hear you. I see where you're coming from. Um, I think we need to have you checked. So he sent me for an MRI scan and lesion showed up. I had lesions on my brain. Right. Which, uh, which is the, the, the telling sign. The telltale of, signs of MS. So what happens is that these lesions are little damaged areas yeah. in the brain that are affecting the connections, the nervous system through the spine yeah. to your, your extremities and how you function on a day-to-day -day basis. And this can get progressively worse. But let's go back to the odd thing about MS is that you mentioned your father and your brother have it. Yeah. And they had it in different ways, different severities. Yeah. And yet it's not quite confirmed that it's hereditary? No, it's, I don't think there's any doctor who is going to put that down on paper and say it's hereditary. That's very, very unusual. I mean, it's a red flag. Yeah, I mean, I'm on lots of uh, internet forums and there is, I've been in contact with quite a few people where they're brothers and sisters and family members who has it, but still there's no professor who's going to say it's just coincidence. Right. Well, oh, there, there are no coincidences in life, so... It's one of those. When you went for your scan and he finally detected these lesions, how bad was it? For me, it was the end of the world. But at the same time, I kind of knew what I was going into. <clears throat> I mean, that first attack or relapse, it was bad because I kind of lost the feeling on my right side, my arm went numb. Again, because it got detected quite late. So the attack carried on. So by the time I, they put me on uh, steroids, it kind of had escalated. But with support from the doctors and my husband, and I managed to start training and got myself back on track. 
So let's talk about the training for a minute because um, it, it's a very difficult thing to do. We all know that with these these kind of conditions, these illnesses, that having a healthy lifestyle definitely does help in managing them. Never takes it away altogether, not even close, but it does help manage them in a way that you can get through your day. Um, so what kinds of things could you do or found yourself doing that helped? I stopped smoking. Uh, not the first year, the year after I stopped smoking. I mean, I made a few lifetime changes. I mean, stop smoking, drinking alcohol, not that regular. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Your glass of wine. No? I mean, we all like glass of wine or gin and tonic, but I, everything in, in, in small quantities. And then I chose to become a vegetarian. Okay. Uh, I do eat fish and I do eat eggs, but I cut all meat out. Right. And for me personally, it helped me a lot. You notice the difference yeah. in and that. And I'm trying not to have as much processed food. Right, okay. And um, with the physical side of things? I am you trying. Walk? I walk, I cycle, I try and go to the gym, I do Pilates and yoga as much as I can. And my body, I need to listen to my body a lot more. That is crucial, isn't it? Because uh, you can overdo it yes. so much in a gym. Oh. I shared a story when I went for a walk up the rock with my brothers and then I spent four days in bed afterwards. That's and the problem. <laughs> it's a walk that most people could do, but you've got to know your limitations. I mean, just a, a trip, round trip to UK, it, yeah, it might be simple for most people, yeah. but for me, it's It'll just... knock you out. And it stresses me out just having to do it because it takes longer for me to recover. Right. So let's talk about flares, because you live with this on a daily basis. It does affect you to one degree or another every day. Yeah. But then there are the bad days. How do they happen and how often do they happen and what happens? Bad days are bad days. Like I told you yesterday was the end of a bad day. I just, I just can't. I just sit on the edge of a bed and can't function. It's like a battery that's dead. I just don't have any, I no have no energy, no energy, no power. The world just doesn't function. I just want to cry. There is just nothing left in the tank. And having to try and to explain that to people who doesn't understand because I get this constant, but you look all right. Have you tried yoga? Have you tried to sleep some more? I can sleep for a week and it won't get better. Yeah. The pain is, excruciating. It's chronic. Yeah. It's all the time. It's just, but yet I still have to get up. I still have to cook and clean. And I mean, I had to, to stop my job last year, a year and a half ago, because mentally I couldn't carry on any longer because it, it all affected me. And for a lot of people like, well, it was just a job. No, for me, it was, I just couldn't. You just couldn't do it? No, I couldn't do it. How, how does it affect you with, when it comes to concentration, you know, trying to focus on, on, on something, a simple task at work? It's just, I suffer a lot from brain fog, they call it, and it just, it's very difficult to explain because you look normal, you act normal, but what comes out of your mouth is not normal. I think about words I want to say, but it's just Russian coming out. Speech has gone. I can't focus. I can't concentrate. I don't sleep. Then I want to sleep in the middle of the day. 
and I suffer from insomnia. It's just everything is upside down and it's just not nice at all. So when you have a flare, how, how long can this put you out for? When last, my last flare up, uh, that took me down for, by the time I was back on my feet, it took me down for three months. Three months? Because that was a bad one. Wow. So by the you time- You couldn't function for three months? No. By the time, even though I get the steroids, by the time my body recovers, it's just. And there's nothing you can do, Pia? Nothing. So you manage your lifestyle, try and, try and make little improvements here and there, try and keep a little bit active, and you take steroids, painkillers? Pain, I can take as much painkillers, there's nothing you can really get. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not promoting drugs, but I'm, have, I'm having uh, edibles. You can get them in the pharmacy over the counter. They're kind of okay for nighttime, but you can only take so much. Um, CDB oil is, is okay, another one as well. But all those things is quite costly, so... Yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. And on top of that, you can't really hold down a job. No, at the moment, I can't. But yet, you look beautiful. Thank you so much. You're slim, you're active, and it looks like there's absolutely nothing wrong. Isn't that the worst thing in the world? Oh, yes. You, you, you can't... You can't have a, a bad day, you can't have a whinge because you get that, but there's nothing wrong with you. You look well, there's nothing wrong with you. It's, it's an invisible disease. Yeah, like so many. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's very hard, isn't it? When, it is. when, you, when you come up against that same comment time and time again, oh, I, if you're I, having a really bad day, what you want is somebody to say is, how are you? Are you okay today? Is, is it a bad day today? And just listen, as opposed to saying, well, have you been on a walk or go and have another sleep? Or I mean, I even got it today in the gym. But you look okay. <laughs> I'm not okay, but I guess it's because people don't know much about multiple sclerosis and a lot of the invisible diseases we have. Yeah. Because if I would have said um, something horrible that it was like, cancer or I would have lost an arm or something. People can relate to it. It's something yes. people know about, yes. which is a horrible thing to have. Yes. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but yes. people can relate to it. But because it's something people can't see, they don't understand it. And people don't know any better. It's like, well, you look okay. Yeah. But there is nothing okay behind this. Yeah, I mean, the mental aspect of it is horrendous. That's what I was going to ask next. How is your mental health? The, the depression is just, it's always there. It, the, the, the crying, the, it, it's always Frustration. Bad. And you mentioned stress as well. I mean, we, lived in, we live in such a, a high-paced life at the moment. Yeah. It's so hard not to get stressed over something. As I, a parent, you stress very easily. I have to try and follow normal people and try not to ask for help and it's hard it is it is very very hard why do you feel you can't ask for help because there's nothing wrong with me I look all right don't I I look mm. I look okay so we talked about numbers in Jib with MS and we also talked about the fact that um, 
Gibraltar, like many communities, small communities, has a lot of trouble opening up and just talking about mental health issues and all these chronic diseases that you cannot see and how important it is to do so. And you came up with a figure of perhaps 80 people that you may know of in Jib that have MS. And yet you also stated, 80 is quite a large number for our population, that there's absolutely nothing in place. There's no support group. There's no specific, you said about a nurse. Yeah, we have no MS nurse here, which is something we really should have. So we could call, when we're down, someone to support us. I mean, I've had a really, really bad Christmas where I really needed someone to call, someone to talk to, because MS and depression goes basically hand, hand in hand. hand. But I have no one to reach out to, apart from the online forums I'm in. But it would be nice to have someone locally to speak to. Yeah. I mean, not another person with MS, but a specialist that I could go to. But there is no one, there's nowhere I can go. I can wait for my next appointment with the neurologist coming out from UK, yeah. which I understand that the GHA is under a lot of pressure, but they also have to understand that I am constantly under a lot of pressure from my yeah. own body. Yeah. In, in Denmark, where you're from, I mean, there's, there's no disputing that the north of Europe is so much more advanced in these kinds of things. Your dad, um, He's, he's had a lot of help in that respect. Oh, that's a And his, his is really bad. Yeah. It affects his legs. He, my dad has, he, he still walks, but we call him, he has a, he's lost one leg. He, he walks really badly. Uh, where I'm lucky, he hasn't affected my legs as much as his, my speech and my upper body. And right. So, but the system in Denmark is amazing. I mean, they send him on retreats twice a year, they have helped him with a new car, a push bike, a moped, he has horse riding, yoga, pilates, if you name it. Everything in his hands. Yeah, I mean a counsellor, a counsellor for my mum as well, because it's not just you, it's, it's the all carers. the carers as well, I mean there's help for the people living with the people, because obviously I know myself, I am horrible to live with. Yeah. I mean I cry, I, I I'm not a nice person at the moment to live with. Yeah, looking forward to the future and what it brings, uh, it's a little bit like a ticking time bomb, isn't it? Yeah. Because right now you're managing things, but from one moment to the next, the switch could flick. Yeah. And it could literally go downhill very, very quickly. What are your thoughts looking forward? What are you going to do with life? How, how are things going to change? I would, like anything, it's a new year, new me, all that. I would try and like to heal myself a little bit more. I need to learn to take a step back and ask for help. Yeah. And then eventually get back on trying to get a job and try and do that. But like anything, it's one day at a time. And what's the prognosis? What, what's going to be happening to your body as... as you move on. They can't say, today I'm okay, tomorrow I'm not. There is no... Will you lose the function eventually of, of your limbs and... If I go like my dad, 
I would end up like him with a wheelchair eventually. But they say now the more active you are, the better. So I'm going to go the with that one. The more you can keep it yeah. at, at bay. Are you scared? Of course I'm scared. I don't want to... I don't want to leave my kids with a mother. I don't want to be a burden to my children. I think that's what I'm most scared of. I don't want to be a burden to my children, to my husband, to anyone. I think that's what I'm most scared of. Not as much as losing my legs, but I don't want to be a burden to other people. Yeah. I think that's what scares me most. I mean, having to ask for help. That's, I think that's, that's the biggest scare. The biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Having to... I mean, there's nothing wrong with being in a wheelchair or anything, but having, for me, having to ask for help. That Especially is, if you're proud, yeah. you and you've always managed on your own. It, How do the children take it? Again, I don't think they understand. I mean, I don't think they understand what MS really is. I, because, again, you look okay. Yeah, that's part of the problem. I mean, because people don't understand. I'm going to get back to looking okay uh, before Christmas because I suffer a lot from bladder problems, a little side thing with MS. And what happens? I had to go to a toilet and the queues for how many so I had to go to the handicapped toilet. And I basically got told, but you're not handicapped. I said, but I need to use the toilet. Are you pregnant? <laughs> I said, no, but I really need to use the toilet. This is only for handicaps. I said, but I suffer from multiple sclerosis. And I got that, but you look all right. And I was just like... That I, must be so I tough. was, I was crying because when I have to go, I have to go. Yeah, yeah. And I said to my husband, that's it. From now on, we're just going to go and buy those tenor ladies because I can't do this again. That is incredible. I really feel fear. And that was just, I was like, that was just horrendous. Yeah. We're too quick to judge. Oh yeah, we are. Human nature. Well, well look, um, by talking, and you're very brave to talk, um, maybe there's somebody out there who feels the same. Maybe somebody can reach out to you. Maybe you can reach out to them. And had I had known, you could have reached out to me at Christmas because I didn't enjoy mine either. <laughs> but it's been good chatting, Pierre, and hopefully it, it, it opens a door to other people as well. And to understanding these illnesses that we really can't see. So I wish you the best moving forward. Thank you. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.